Good morning, Downpour. Hope you've had a great day so far. So good to be in God's presence. And I just want to take a time, this time to just speak over you. Uh, God's peace, God's comfort, hope. We've got, what, 50 odd days, 54 odd days. I was counting yesterday. And the Bible says, teach us, Lord, to number our days. So I was counting, numbering the days, 54, 55 odd days between now to 2022. And I just want to encourage you to keep leaning in. God's not tapped out. I know the school holidays around the corner, sort of. Uh, term four, the intensity of it uh, for us parents and teachers and students. Uh, but let's be focusing in what God has for us. And can I just take this moment to just give a plug for tonight. In fact, I was talking to some people here in Brisbane in our church, and uh, they were telling me that they actually didn't know that there was like a worship service happening and it has been happening so i'm breaking the news it was sort of like a rumor but i'm breaking the news there is a gathering that happens on sundays in fact tonight is going to be special because we've got a five o'clock barbecue happening come on barbecue we've got some braai happening <laughs> and so uh and so i would love if you are there let's have a great time of fellowship now the thing is because of our facility we're not able to do kids church yet uh, but if you have kids with you, I just encourage you to just, you know what, I, I, back, in the, back in the Bible days, back in, back in the book of Acts days, they didn't have kids' church. The kids were with their parents and they were in church together. And obviously I'm not saying that's where we're going, but during this time, can I just encourage you, if your kids are with you, let's bring them, let's have church together as a family. I believe that God is with families, God is for families, family is God's idea. And so let's all have church together, 5 o'clock tonight and then 6 o'clock kicking off uh, worship night, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had testimonies and stories of people that have experienced healings and all sorts of things. So also on another note, I know that there have been people that have been reaching out. Maybe I've called some of you or some of our team has been calling you, and I'm just, we're just here checking in and making sure that you're okay and how we can pray for you and pray with you and stand with you during this time. But this morning, I want to continue on a topic I started a couple of weeks back uh, where I spoke about uh, how every church has an assignment. Uh, I want you to understand this, that Jesus, when he released the church, and obviously now we have many churches, but we're all part of one church, but our individual, uh, you know, not the capital C church, but the small C church, uh, you know, has individual assignments. Each church has a grace on itself. Each church has an assignment. Each church has a DNA. Each church has an anointing. No churches are necessarily needing to be the same, feel the same, look the same, dress the same. Uh, God is not into uniformity. He's into diversity. And through that, He unifies the body of Christ. And so every church is an assignment. And some of you know about the encounter I had a couple of months back, pretty significant, where I literally uh, sensed Jesus saying four things why the church does not fulfill her assignment. And a couple of weeks back, I shared on the reason one being grief. And if you haven't heard that message, I want to encourage you to check it up on YouTube. Uh, it's been impactful already. Uh, I've, had, I've had actually pastors and churches, uh, people from other churches actually tuning in and listening to that and being blessed by it. But this morning, I want to talk about another reason, another reason why we don't fulfill our assignment. It's a bit of a sobering reason, but I believe it's actually going to be quite a powerful thing. By the end of this, we're going to feel happy. We're going to feel the joy of the Lord. But I want you to track with me if that's okay. And one of the reasons why 
we don't complete, the church doesn't complete her assignment is because of selfishness. Selfishness. And what I want to do this morning is I don't want to preach at you and say, we are selfish, you are selfish, I'm selfish. No one's going to feel good about that. No one gets blessed with it. But I want to take three stories from the Bible. Each of these stories are, are, are a sermon in its own. But three stories in the, in the Bible. And I want to, uh, most of them are stories that most of us would know. They're pretty simple stories. But I want us to pull up uh, things and ideas and deeper understandings from it. And so are we ready this morning? Story number one. The first story I want to share is the story of Cain and Abel. Good morning, church. Cain and Abel. The story of Cain and Abel. Uh, in the story of Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve, the first human beings on planet Earth, starts a family, has two sons, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel, I want you to understand the context. They, they knew God, they'd heard about God, they'd understood God, and they knew they had an assignment. And the assignment was to worship God in a certain format. And so what happens in the story is Cain is a farmer. Uh, Abel is a shepherd boy. And they go out to worship God. And, 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 and so Abel dedicates this lamb to God. And God, the Bible says God accepted his worship. God accepted his offering. Cain goes out to give some vegetables. And, and, and God rejects his offering. Now, when I was in kids' church and I would hear this story, I would always feel like it's an unfair story. It's like, uh, you know, Cain went to career day and chose career to be farmer, and, and he's getting judged for that. But actually, there's something deeper in it, which we'll talk in a moment. Well, what begins to happen is God accepts Abel's offering, the younger brother's offering, and the Bible says Cain gets jealous. He gets jealous, and here's the thing. He's the gracious hand of God. Even in his jealousy, God talks to him. God speaks to him. God convicts him. God gives a little bit of a warning. And literally says, if you do the right thing, I'm with you. I'm for you. How gracious is God? And then he, despite the warning, despite the moment he has with God, he calls his brother to the field and kills him. My. You know, and, and, and literally what begins to happen is allows a curse to come upon himself. It's not necessarily that God cursed him, but allows a curse that comes upon himself. But what I want to read to you this morning is, it's paraphrased, it's not paraphrased, but it's uh, minute portions of scripture from the story just to save time. Genesis chapter 4 verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In other words, Abel was a, was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So Cain brings vegetables, eggplants, cucumbers, don't know what, but he brings it to God. And, 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 and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the, what's the words, firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the rest of the Bible, that's the portion of the Bible, literally, Cain takes, Abel, take, Cain takes Abel out to the field, knocks him out, he dies, and the rest is the story. But what I want to point out are these words. Verse 4, it says, Abel brought the firstborn. What, the reason why Cain's offering was not accepted and Abel's offering was accepted was because Abel brought the firstborn. 
And, and what God was doing is he was creating the principle of the first, which was instituted not with the sons, but it was instituted in the Garden of Eden. What am I talking about? In the Garden of Eden, what happened? There was one tree that God said you cannot eat of. And what happened? Man in his selfishness eats of that one tree that should have been dedicated as an offering to God. See, selfishness has been a root that's been within our souls from the beginning of time. Cain, what about Cain? Cain is sort of like, I'm going to give an offering when I feel like giving. I'm going to give an offering when I know things are going well. No, it's not the problem of the fact of the timing of Cain's offering. It was the posture of his heart. And the posture of his heart was selfishness. And when we think our way is better than God's way, we begin to operate in selfishness. Selfishness is not the guy that had the exercise of pizza. Selfishness, in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the human mindset, there's all these behaviors that we consider as selfishness. And I want to address that. Selfishness is not the guy that wants everything. We do not know what the motivation is. But selfishness is when we think our way is better. And talking about that, I want to talk about the tithe for a moment. Because I think it's really important that when I don't tithe, it costs me more than it does cost anybody else. So many times I, find, I feel I hear and I see people that, that say, we, we cannot tithe. Let me tell you, you cannot afford not to tithe. Because that's one of the greatest indicators of where your posture is when it comes to this thing of living selfless or living in the selfish zone. In fact, a lot of times when people are scrapping, when, when I'm scrapping through stuff, when I'm feeling things are going short, I ask my, have you been tithing? And, and the thing about our house is we don't do the auto debit stuff because, you know, it just feels like it's a gym membership. So we take time to make the transfer happen and things like that because it's an act of worship. And so sometimes you can go about your days and the school fees and this, this bill and this, that. And that's the thing about all these bills, right? Everybody calls you if you, don't fi if you don't fix that bill. But God never calls. Because God is looking for that selfless heart to arise that would say, you know what? I want to give God's best. I want to give God number one. I want to put Him first in my life. And one of the things we've got to understand is here's, here's the crazy part. Cain, when he got the first fruit of his labor, when he got the first fruit of his income, he had the choice to kill his selfishness but instead he gave room for his selfishness and ends up killing his brother see this is what selfishness does selfishness causes us to kill the wrong thing and allow the wrong thing to live there's things within our flesh that needs to be killed but instead of allowing that to submit to the ordinances of god allowing that to submit to the principles of god selfishness prefers to kill the wrong thing so God's principle was bring the first but Cain's preference was I need to keep the first and I'll give you the rest see when it comes to this whole understanding of selfishness the opposite of selfishness is obviously selflessness so I want to give you one little nugget from the story kill your pre preference and kindle God's principle kill your preference and kindle God's Principle. See, what God was trying to establish that day was he was trying to raise a generation that would nurture, that would kindle his presence and that would kill their preference. Because let me tell you, right now, my preference feels great. 
your preference fields, right? In the Garden of Eden, Eve's preference of eating of the tree seemed absolutely just and righteous and noble and even wise in her own eyes. But the reality is this, friend, there are times and seasons where we've got to kill our preference and kindle God's principle. And out of that, there's a blessing that comes from it. So that's the first story. Are we blessed? Here's the second story. The second story, we're going to scroll a few books in the Bible. We're going to go to the story of a prophet called Elisha. Elisha, incredible prophet, saw significant, not just the usual miracles, saw unusual miracles. Not just lepers healed and people raised from the dead, which is phenomenal miracles, but things multiply, things that were lost, found, like just, just incredible miracles. Elisha had a servant called Gehazi. Now, when we hear the word servant, we think about slave. Gehazi wasn't a slave. In the biblical times, the language was used as servant, but really he was a 2IC. He was an apprentice. That's a better word, an apprentice. So let's rewind for a moment because before, Elisha was not always a prophet. He, he worked the farm. Elisha, before, after Elisha worked the farm, he was a servant or he was rather an apprentice of another guy called Elijah. So you've got Elijah who was served by Elisha. Now Elijah went on and Elisha rises up as the Mr. Prophet, the man of God. Gehazi comes into the scene and starts taking that place. So you're seeing this, this process, this kingdom process. And Gehazi, I want to take a moment to talk about Gehazi. Gehazi witnessed a lot of things. He saw food multiply. He saw supernaturally battles won. There's a story in the Bible where they're surrounded by the armies of the enemy. And Elisha says to his servant, he says, you have no idea that we've got more with us than against us. And Gehazi says, what are you talking about, boss? I don't see anybody. Gehazi lays his, Elisha lays his hands on Gehazi's eyes and for a moment lets him see into the realm of the heavenlies. He sees angels thousands of angels surrounding the armies that are surrounding them. He saw a boy raised from the dead. I mean, Gehazi witnessed a lot of stories, a lot of miracles. But there's this one story that changed everything for Gehazi. And the story was the story of a guy called Naaman. Naaman was from another country, but Naaman heard the notorious miracles of Elisha. And the problem with Naaman was Naaman was the 2IC of the king of Assyria, but he had leprosy. And the thing about leprosy, unlike the day we live in today, is leprosy was not just considered a disease, it was considered a curse. It was frowned upon. It, it was considered that if you associated with a leper, you know, there would be something wrong with you. And so this guy had a profile. He was a commander of an army, yet needing to navigate this social dysfunction. Na Naaman hears about the miracles that God is doing through Elisha, travels all the way to Israel. Keep in mind, Elisha, and right next to him is Gehazi. Elisha says to Naaman, I want you to go dip in the river Jordan. And as he does it the seventh time, the Bible says that his skin clears up like a little young child. And his skin is restored and he's completely healed of leprosy. So far, the story is going fantastic. How many feel like I like this story? Well, Naaman goes back to Elisha and says, I am so blessed. In fact, he says, there is no God like your God. There's no, no God like the God of Israel. Until this point, Naaman did not know about Elisha's God. So that is fantastic. There's no God like your God. And then Eli uh, Naaman says, I've got 
two camels full worth of gold and silver and diamonds and rubies. I want to, I've got clothes for you. I've got silk from Kashmir. I mean, I've got everything loaded. Here's some gifts for you. For whatever reason, Elisha says, no. And then something happens. And that's what I want to read from. So we're going to parachute into the mid middle of that story. But check out what it says. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15. Then Naaman, who are we talking about? Naaman, the guy who was healed of leprosy. And all his attendants went back to the man of God. Who's that? Elisha. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refuses. Gehazi, the apprentice, the smarter guy. Elisha has become too old. He's not thinking strategically. The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman. This Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought, as surely as the Lord lives. Check out how spiritual it sounds. I will run after him and get something from him. Verse 21, so Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Verse 25, and so I want to, just to save time, I didn't read 22. I'm not going to read 22, 23, 24. So what happens is Naaman makes up, Gehazi makes up a lie. And he says, my master has changed his mind. There's a bunch of boys that came and all of a sudden he bit of a, had a panic attack. He realized there's nothing in the pantry. Uh, he realized there's no gifts to give. So can I get some of the gold? Can I get some of the silver? And whatever uh, Gehase, the two I see, the apprentice asks, Naaman gives twice the amount. The Naaman's like, uh, Gehase is like, man, I've won with God. I've won with man. I'm the smart guy. Uh, pastor does not need to know. Church does not need to know. They don't need to know. But I live in my headspace and I'm the smart guy. And so Naaman has got all that. He's hid it away. He's about to enter Elisha's room again. So check this scene. Verse 25. When he went in, who? Gehazi. And stood before his master. Elisha asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? You know when God ever asked you that question, it's not because he didn't know where you were. It's not like God lost reception in heaven. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi replied. But Elisha said, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time? I want you to look at the language. Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves and garden and, and vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Now check out what he says. Naaman's Leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Wow. That went down really quick, didn't it? We, you know, I would preach on the story of Naaman, but I always preach about like Naaman being healed of leprosy. And we would like just leave this at the end of it, you know how in the movies where the credits happen and then if you stay long enough in the cinemas because you don't have kids and you can stay back and for another 25 minutes and then there's that last sequel that comes that shows what's coming up next. That's what the story looks like, feels like, but it's not exciting. I mean, the leprosy that was taken off from Naaman is now on Gehase. Now, when I would read the story as a young boy, I would think God does not want us to receive gifts. That's what I would think. In fact, I remember the first time I went to preach and someone gave me something. I was scared. 
I woke up the next morning checking the texture of my skin. Because, you know what I'm saying, you just read these stories and you just think, what is the context? Now, can I say to you, God is more than eager and desirous to bless you than you are to want. God has gifts. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father in heaven. But the question that Elisha asked his servant is not the fact or the motivation of wanting gifts. It's the fact that he says, is this the time to accept? Is this the time? See, the reason is because Naaman said something from his mouth. He said, for surely I know there is no God except for the God of Israel. See, when Naaman went to, went to Elisha, he came in the name of his gods. He came in the pride of his gods that he thought were real. But what Elisha exposed to him was the living God. And what Elisha wanted from this experience was not just for Naaman to experience healing, but also for Naaman to experience grace. So when Gehazi did what he did, Gehazi stole Naaman's grace experience. See, self selfishness causes us to rob people from the grace that they need to encounter. Selfishness causes us to devoid the grace that God has positioned for his people. Now here's the thing we gotta, we got to understand. Selfishness keeps others from the grace of God and selfishness keeps me from the grace of God. Let me break this down to you. What do you think Elisha had in mind for Gehazi? I suspect that if there was anybody who knew the state of Gehazi, it would be Elisha. Because Elisha was once Gehazi. He was serving Elijah. He was the servant of Elijah. Elisha foresaw that he wanted to pass on the mantle. Yeah, I want you to picture this. Elisha had twice the anointing that was on Elijah. Gehazi could have had thrice the anointing that was on Elijah. And so what happened that day was grace encounters was robbed not from Naaman, not just from Naaman, but was also robbed from himself. He never entered the grace that God had for him. See, when we become selfish, sometimes you can hear the story and you're like, yeah, yeah, they got affected, didn't work with me, at least I got, I got some clothes. No, you're robbing yourself of heaven's grace. You're robbing yourself of what God has greater for you. See, selfishness devoids the grace of God. Psalm 119, verse 36, this is what it says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain, which tells me that every day, every moment, I've got, a, I've got a choice to make. I can turn my heart towards the things of God, or without knowing, knowing I can turn my heart towards selfish gains. So you've got to understand that, that our selflessness, the opposite of selfishness, our selflessness, our serving causes others and ourselves to experience the grace of God. See, when I think about it, even this morning, the reason why Pastor Leah and myself are in this room, we were able to speak and we can serve you is because someone is selflessly taking care of our kids. The reason why we can have a great service tonight, uh, we can have a great barbecue tonight, because someone is selflessly going out of their way, getting the snacks, getting the barbecue, getting things in order. So some, some people are going to selflessly set up this place. So what happens when we are selfless, people encounter the grace of God. But here's the amazing part. When we are selfless in our serving, we also encounter the grace of God. See, right now as I'm serving you, 
you're being blessed, but I'm also receiving the grace of God. And so we got to understand that when we position ourselves in the posture of selflessness, we experience grace. But when we posture ourselves in the posture of selfishness, we walk in greed and it robs the church of the grace of God. Hope you're enjoying story number three. Story number three, we're going to scroll all the way to the book of Acts. The church is in revival. The church has been established. The church is being built. Incredible things are happening. And I want to read from the story of Ananias and Zephyrite. Ananias and his wife. And, 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 and before I even read this, again, these are all stories that can be manipulated, that can be misunderstood, that can, that can taint the real heart of God. God's heart is not to curse his children. God's heart is not to destroy his church. God's heart is not to create, cause death. But there are things that God has put in place that positions us to, towards the heart of selflessness or allow selfishness within our hearts to, to breed deceit, greed, and all the evil that comes with it. But check out what it says, Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. There's a reason why I'm pointing out to verse 1, because I want to give you context about Acts chapter 4 in a moment. But Acts chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, uh, Zephyrah, also sold a piece of property. I want you to notice, also. Everybody say this after me, also. Also sold, which tells me somebody else sold a property. Also, we'll talk about it. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet then peter said ananias how is it that satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the holy spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land didn't it belong to you before it was sold what's the language and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Now, if you want to put fear and trembling into people before raising and doing a building fund, this is the chapter and the verse. But sometimes we can live in this level. But I don't want to put fear and shaking and trembling and all that into you that i want you to understand the heart of god because i want you to notice what peter says peter actually says to him wasn't it your land yes wasn't it your money yes did you have the choice to do whatever you wanted with it yes so i want you to be liberated this morning that you are completely entrusted and empowered by heaven to do what you want to do but what peter was challenging was a greater thing and i believe in many ways this is a message to the body. God used this situation as a message to the body. This is not a message that causes us to go, oh, I didn't give that much, or I should have given that, and, and we're not going to have bodies lying around in the church. That's, all, that's not this message. Sometimes it's been preached and communicated that way, but that's not the context. So what is the context? The context is before this, in Acts chapter 4, in fact, the very last verse before Ananias and Sapphira enters the scene, there was a guy called Barnabas. Barnabas sells a piece of land and puts the money at the feet of the apostles. Ananias and Zephyrite did not like that they got featured on the Instagram story of the church. Said, I don't like that. So they have other motivation. They want to get the same attention, the same feature, the same promotion, the same whatever, whatever is going on through their minds. So they create the same scenario with, with the wrong motivation. Are you catching this? 
And so that is what God is addressing or Peter is addressing. See, we've got to understand that they were doing this for a bit of attention, but that attention eventuated to selfishness. There's so many times in church life where people do things to draw an attention, but without them knowing the root of doing that can lead to selfishness. Before you know, it was just, I just want to, you know, just, just, I just want some people to like me a bit more. I just want to be known as a nice guy. I just want to be accepted by more people. But, but if that's not solidified at the, at the, at the, at, in the hands and in the revelation of who you are in Jesus, the danger of that is you will go out of your way and make invoices and, and make debits and make credits that, that have di discrepancies in it, eventuating into a place of selfishness that leads to, to all sorts of drama. See, these guys, all they wanted was to add that they were fully dependent on God, but really they were banking on personal insurance. Now, there's nothing wrong in banking on personal insurance, but there's something wrong when you air it like you're fully dependent on God. See, a lot of times, selfishness disguises under the robe of self-protection, self-preservation, and self-love. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't love yourself. I'm not saying you've got to, you know, we have, now we have a culture of me time, my time. What about me time? What about, that's all great. And you know, I, I, I must be honest, before my God encounter, I, was, I kept fighting. I kept going crazy. I haven't had a holiday since June. I still haven't had a holiday. And that doesn't matter. I, I, I'll have a holiday. But before it was like me, me, me. You know what I've been through. You know what I've gone through. You know what's happened. This happened. I need to have me time, me time. Me. And it sounded like it was so good. Oh, Pastor Alvin is wanting health. Pastor Alvin is wanting to take care of his soul. But really at the core of it, it was selfish. Now, I will have a break when I need to have a break, but I'll have a break in worshiping God. I'll have a break going after the heart of God. I'll have a break in the presence of God. The motivation, see, it's not the fact who went on a holiday, who didn't go on a holiday. It's the motivation. It's not the fact of who gave what offering. It's the motivation. It's not the fact that who served or who didn't serve. See, some people will even serve selfishly. And others, others would not serve selfishly out of selflessness. So this is not a message of the do's and don'ts. This is a me message of where are you in here? See, and this is the thing about selfishness, right? Only, only, only three people know if you're selfish. God knows it. The devil knows it. And I know it. So if I'm selfish, only I know it. If you're selfish, only God knows it. The devil knows it. And you know it. So you can do the right thing that seems so selfless and get, get front page on the Oprah Winfrey show, but yet your heart's not in the right posture, right? And heaven does not see your action. Heaven recognizes your posture. It was not Cain's offering that God had a problem with. It wasn't Gehazi's asking that God had a problem with. It wasn't Ananias keeping a portion of the offering that God had a problem with. It was what they were trying to portray and parade and the motivations that always gets us in trouble. See, the reasons people are, whenever I say the church is selfish or the church selfishness stops the church, people think now we've got to give 15 to 15 projects, $15,000. We can do all that. But if the motivation is to get attention, heaven doesn't bless that. Heaven doesn't bless that. We must understand this as Christian, as followers of Jesus. We live from another place. 
We process from another place. We operate from another realm. That's why nowadays when I hear, before I would hear things, oh, I'd be so impressed, I'd be excited. Now I'm listening to the spirit of it. The spirit of it. And you know what is interesting? In all of these three stories, there were no human beings. Let me explain to you. When Cain killed Abel and kept and did not give the first, who rocked up? God. When Naaman took the offering that was for Elisha, Elisha wasn't there. What did Elisha say? Wasn't the Spirit of God there? When Ananias did what Ananias did, what did Peter say? Peter wasn't there. It's not like Peter checked their Instagram story or hacked into their bank account and saw the transactions. Peter said, who are you lying to? To me or the Holy Spirit? So here's my, here's my question to us this morning. Who are we lying to? Who am I lying to? Is my life completely in absolute resolution to the presence and the person of Jesus? Because I can go on cheating you. I can go on creating impressions. I can go to the end of my life portraying like I'm a selfless, humble, meek person. But sad is the day when we reach the end of our life, when we're about to enter eternity, to, to recognize that what is it for a man to gain the attention and the accolade and the friendship of the whole world, but to lose his own soul. Selfishness. And this, this is a sneaky one. This is a sneaky one, church. And I, I'm not saying this. I, I'm speaking to us as friends. I'm speaking to us as family. I'm speaking to you as a brother. I'm speaking to us to, to me. Uh, in recent times, I've had to watch my heart. I've had to watch my heart, especially around pastors. When I'm around pastors, it's like, oh, you do this and you do this. And sometimes, you know, subtle, subtle stories that seem like I'm talking about this, but really I'm trying to actually show how selfless I am. I've had to watch my mouth. I've had to watch my heart. Even recently, I was in a conversation. It's like, and I had, to, I had to stop me for a moment and say, Alan, why are you sharing that? Are, are you trying to get that pastor to be impressed by your selflessness so that he thinks higher of you? No, no, no. Let's make sure that our heart's in the right place. Because when our heart is in the right place, let me tell you the acceleration that heaven gives. Man is unstoppable. The blessing that heaven gives is unstoppable. And the danger, the danger, think about the danger. Cain never fulfilled his calling. Gehazi never walked in his calling. Ananias and Sapphira, well, they're not here anymore. They're not there anymore. So we do not know what God had more for them. See, when we say these things like the church doesn't fulfill its assignment because of selfishness, we think about church as a whole. But who is the church? We are the church. I am the church. You are the church. But when we operate in selfishness, it affects the wider body and it affects this body and it affects this family. But you know what? When we operate in selflessness, it blesses the wider body, it blesses this body, it blesses the family, and it brings honor to God. Church, I want to encourage you, especially during this time as we go into Christmas, I feel like there's a timely word. Christmas is supposed to be a time when we got to be selfless, gracious, loving, caring. But you know what I'm talking about. Man, you go to Westfield, even as we enter into December, people are, people are doing dead stairs in the car park. People are getting daggers out to get a parking. People are fighting for toys. Let's be known, not for our selfishness, 
Let's be known not for the fact that we got those sneakers. Let's be known not for the gift that we were able to get. Someone wants to get a PS5 and I got it. You know what I'm saying? That's not not the spirit. Let's be known. It's for our selflessness. I pray this morning. I've been praying last night. I've been praying, God, let them not just hear stories. Let them not be just deeply wounded or, or even convicted, but let their spirit listen to these words. And Holy Spirit, only you do what you can do. So I want to pray with you right now. We can do this together. Father, we come to you as a church. We come to you as a congregation. We come to you as a family. This is not a us or a you or a me or a pointing finger. This is a spirit that we need to receive and embrace and understand. And Father, I pray for people that feel the guilt and the weight of this. I pray that you would lift off any weight, any condemnation. The Bible says, for there is no condemnation for he that is in Christ. This is not a message of regrets. This is a message of recovery. And Lord, yes, Ananias fell to the ground. But today we have hope to rise up. Today we have hope to stand up. Gehazi, yes, he got the leprosy, but we can come to you, Jesus, and be healed of any impurity, be healed of any any bitterness that is within our souls due to whatever situation. And so, Father, I pray right now to lift off. Let us be known not for our gains, but let us be known for the grace that we unleash in this community, in this church, in our families because of ourselves. Lessness. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In your most mighty, precious name, we pray. Amen. Church, as always, I love you. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Let's keep doing this. Let me tell you, let me tell you, the biggest thing I've learned is let's not live for what is around us. Let's not live for what we see. Let us live from an unseen place. And let me tell you, everything will change for the glory of God. This building here. We're not building this for me. We're not building this for you. I'm sorry. We're building this for our community. We're building this. My dream for this building is that people would come. It would be a place where we would selflessly serve our community. And they would experience the grace and the healing hand of God. So please be there tonight. Because that's an act of selflessness. We're coming together, not because of what the building can provide. Praise God, there's a barbecue. But we're not just here for the barbecue. We're here to see heaven unleash through this place, through this community, through you, through me, in Jesus' name. God bless you, and I love you so much.